So these uh, four um, dimensions of the measureless heart. The heart is measureless. It's cramped. And cramped by this self experience, which is uh, kind of a, more and more one begins to feel this self, this self, not not you know, not your subjectivity. We're all alive beings. You know, we all have that. We will arise into this world. Mm. We will arise, born with bodies. You know, we will arise, born. Uh, receive a sensitive, a eager, a wishes. These all arise in us. Sensitivity, wishes, eagerness, curiosity, what's going on. You know. And that has to be organised somehow. But then the organization of this into what am I going to do is um, perfunctory, haphazard, compulsive, quite ignorant really, in many ways not very sensitive. Gets conditioned into make something happen, change, get somewhere, it's conditioned into a kind of not a holistic experience of just let's see what's really here, you know, in this thing, in this system. It gets conditioned into what what does the what does the world need, you know, and we're gonna get that. So we don't really know what we're living with, the fullness of it. And the self is kind of a the organizer, which, you know, yeah, it's okay. But it's it hasn't really stopped, paused and taken stock of what's here, hasn't really known it, hasn't really felt it, it's jumped out into do it mode without really taking stock of what what is experience? What is what is here? What is the subjectivity about? Now differentiate between self and subjectivity and yeah. You know, there is a subjectivity. Consciousness gives us subjectivity. This is happening to... Yeah. Now you can put a name on who that happens to, but it happens to. There's something being with this. Yeah. As consciousness gives the experience of with this, with this sound, with this sight, with this touch, with this... Yeah. And what is with this? Well, that's really unnamed. But it's the experience of subjectivity. There's a, yeah, it's not an object, it's a subject. But we make it into an object called a me, yeah, a self. So, or something does that, there's a cut off, it becomes a self who then abstracts from experience, figures out 
you know, rights and wrongs, and often with some pretty um, unhealthy programs, so directives, aims, messages. Get ahead, and uh, and essentially the obviously it varies place to place, person, you know, individual to individual, but. Very often we find that the the basic message of self is isolation, um, yeah, and we be, we become like billiard balls. Yeah, then we know there are other billiard balls on the table. Um, you know, and we can kind of knock around with each other in a playful way, but but so also we are very much, you know, just just in this contained self, and with a sense of recognizing. It's um, you know it's bound to die, or it's subject to that. So there's an anxiety around it. And so this self-experience is uh, trying to own enough to make it feel secure, trying to get somewhere where it will be okay, trying to make sure that unfortunate things don't happen to it, and certainly concerned about the uh, the inferred regard or the inferred attitudes of other selves and these are inferred and they're actually they tend to be mirror images of of our own self (laughs) because how do you know what anybody else is about but you know what this one's about Uh and it's not uh, it's not uh, open, shared it's defended, it's uh, organising, so there's a sense of, well, others are like that too. It's not, and certainly people behave like this, you know. So it's not a field of unconditional acceptance. It's not a field of, of curiosity and, well, it's a field where, you know, criteria have to be met, uh, expectations have to be fulfilled, competition, comparisons go on all the time. Winners, losers. Uh, who's who's in who's in charge? How do we how do we line up? All these things happen for pe- for people. And so, though you know, uh, what gets lost is a sense of warmth, playfulness, ease, easiness, and spontaneity. Think outside the box, you know, if you like. Uh, move outside the the the, uh, the paradigms, the, the playfulness, the openness, the sense of value in the present moment gets gets missed, gets gets left out. And the sense of considering. Uh, as, as a, you know, becomes very much myself, an isolated experience with lots of judgments and um, comparisons and notions of how it should be. This is the beleaguered, besieged self. <clears throat> now there is subjectivity, at least that, you know. But we don't really, if we're honest, we don't really know who that is or what that is. You can't know it because you are it, in a way. You, know. you can't see it as an object. So just bear in mind, as a little motto, 
anything you think you are is not true. <laughs> you can know where you are, you can sense that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Takes a bit of doing something. You can know how, you, how you're feeling. You can even know what to do about it. Yeah. But anything that tells you what you are is a liar. Because there's no there's nothing there to tell you who you are. Because it shouldn't be necessary. Should it? I mean what's important is to know where you are and how you're feeling, what you can do about it. You don't need to know who you are. You know, really. Yeah. <laughs> do you see what I mean? What what's the point of that? <laughs> but it is important to know where you are and yeah, to know how you what feelings are happening, it's important. You can see the value of that. And you can see the value of figuring out, well this works, that feels painful, this is unpleasant, that's good, that feels well. That's useful. But what do you want to know? What do you want what is it that tells you who you are? What's the point of that? It's no value at all. Is it? What's the value of it? And yet you notice something does tell you who you are. <laughs> What's that? And what is it describing when it says who you are? Describing what you've done, perhaps? Maybe that. Um, giving an assessment. I'm a decent fellow. I do my best. Da, 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 whatever. Or I. Failure, so an assessment of some kind. Um, It's often saying what one should be or could be, or haven't been yet. Missing, you know. So it may say those kinds of things. Is any of that conducive to uh, feeling uh, rested and relaxed, peaceful? You know, if I say, well, I am a a Buddhist monk, then comes up, pretty if I stay with that long enough, I think of others, how do you rank in the line of that? Well, you know... Not bad, I suppose, but what do you think they think? Are you really doing the right thing? Monk, perhaps monks not facing up to life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Really good monk, you'd be this, that or the other. It can go like that, can't it? You're a monk, your duty is to do this. Okay, you should be one of these. You should always be something. The image of a monk. It's a monk is what? I don't know. Peaceful, quiet, happy, joyful, cheerful, wise, compassionate, grounded, steady. Uh, Seem tired already. 
Oh, there's one thing you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Open, empty, thinking, not thinking about anything. Oh, right. <laughs> so sooner or later you find that you didn't quite make the grade, uh, whatever that is. And um, <laughs> well, maybe you think you're perfect. You're great. <laughs> But uh, then, uh, you know, if that's who you are, how do you live with this rest of these bungling idiots around you? Who <laughs> 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 can't seem to get it together? And <laughs> how, do you, how does that work? <laughs> so, is there any way in which one could actually hold a view I am without sooner or later generating some sort of stress, suffering, or negativity around it, you know, either to oneself or to others. You know. yeah, so you, you just, why bother? Yeah. Wouldn't it be a relief just to not have any any standard, any any image at all? Just to be able to live free. You know. yeah. Feeling the goodness, yeah. basic goodness, basic strength. So this self-experience is not doesn't mean that you know there's nobody nothing existing there's no existence there is existence there is experience and there's an experiencing going on we call it consciousness and consciousness is a sense of a subjectivity being because the subject is felt it's it's, it's sensed yeah. That's what makes it subjective. It's not just object out there. Because if it's an object, it can't be felt. An object is something else, isn't it? Because it's felt, sensed, it's subjective. Everything is subjective. Uh, This is very important because when you begin to get a sense of that, and then you see even other people are really not objects. They are subjects too. We live in a world of total subjectivity. So when we sense that, we begin to stop trying to make people be objects of my approval, resentment, intimidation, patronising, you know, whatever. They're, they're, what, they're subjects. They're feeling subjects. And you just respect and, uh-huh, how's that? Mm. How's that? How interesting! You know, this is another. This is another aspect of consciousness arising in this particular form. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Well, well, I think I've got got him in a little box there. He's one of those. You know, that type. <laughs> another object. So this definitely cramps the heart because um, what takes over from our uh, from relationship of of uh, ease, goodwill, uh, compassion, gladness, appreciation, and let's say serene trust is something else. Takes over measuring. Takes over how good is is he as good as what can she do? Is she better than that? Yeah. 
this kind of thing takes over. And, uh, and then we kind of look at each other like that in some respect. Mm. Well, that, that peers out through our eyes and it peers back at us. Because once, one, once that paradigm sets up, it goes both ways. To, other, to you know, the self-view occurs to this and does a number on this one and it goes out onto others, it does things on others. Yeah? So, you know, the, the freedom from this, the measureless heart, exactly the same thing to others as to myself because there aren't any others as objects. There isn't any self as an object. It's there's the experience of, in the experiencing, there's, there's awareness of subjectivity and we can recognize you know, mutual subjectivity. Uh-huh. How is that? We never know it. We can never exactly package it, but we're attuned to it. There's another system here with its own subjective or, you know, experiences. Now the manifestation of consciousness is own karmic field. So yes, there are subjects. Yes, there are consciousness arising in the field of karma. So the karma is a field, consciousness is a seed, is the expression. And from this seed, these forms arise in their own karmic configuration. You know, whether it's you know, gender, or, you know, mental, physiological, psychological, its own patterning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely there's a subject, subjectivity, we're not wiping that out, but we are in fact contemplating karmic patterns here, there, everywhere. And in order for that to release from this kind of death trap of seeming to be shut in, you know, this one, that one, there has to be this measureless heart, which doesn't get to partake in the categorizing, classifying, judging, um, objectifying, labeling, tagging, you know, doesn't to partake in that. And by ref- not partaking in that, quite naturally, we refrain from that, other qualities start to occur. Now, quite often, much of the emphasis in Buddhist practice is to not do, strangely enough, to refrain from taking life, to refrain from taking that which is not given, to refrain from sexual misconduct, to refrain from, stop doing that, to refrain from unskillful actions. It's always interesting when you read, you see, you know, what is what is right view? One refrains from wrong view. <laughs> what is wrong view? One refrains from that. What is wrong? What is right action? One refrains from wrong action. And it goes into that. So it's like saying, as we begin to acknowledge, hey, this is suffering. This is stressful. This is not getting anywhere. Relax. Stop doing that. Relax that. Release that. Step back from that and you allow something else to come through. Now all this, so in a way, it's, it's undoing the negative. Releasing the negative, releasing the constricted. Now this, 
is the, what they call the via negativa, you know, the negative way. But it's actually beautiful, and it's saying, I'm not going to tell you what you should be. You find out. You find out how you're going to grow. I'm going to point out how your how what restrictions are preventing that. Yeah. And give you some ideas of how you can release that. And I'd be interested to see what happens. But I don't know. Yeah. It's not saying this is the ideal person. I want you to be like this. It's saying this is what's messing you up, right? Can can you see that? Can you stop doing it? Because actually, it's not a locked thing. It's a repeated pattern that one is unconsciously partaking in, rather like a gerbil on a treadmill. You know, we're running so fast, we just keep going in the same pattern, automatic. The reflex jumps. And just stop doing that, and see what happens. Yeah. And first of all, it's a bit like, whoa, whoa where am I? Why am I? What? Okay. Go back to ground where you are and just see what can arise out of that and sometimes what arises out of that is some of the the you know the, the chaos of of catastrophe living or how you want to put it but also what arises out of it is the capacity the beautiful heart that can open to that however it is however it is Mm. however it is takes a little while Mm. saying you know so often when as we do this deepening process we may find difficult places in ourselves and oh dear meditators shouldn't be experiencing this what am I supposed to do with this because this isn't you know watching the breath or whatever no, no, this is all part of the course. This is the old karmic patterns beginning to reveal themselves. And you, through the what you know one has learned or not even learned, but re-potentized, reactivated through some of these meditation exercises, we've begun to re-potentize the capacity to just be present open and bear with that if you like if mindfulness is anything it very simply means to stay with it you know to bear it in mind or bear and bear it in heart stay with it don't you know don't blink on it. don't drop it if you can stay with that uh, in its strangeness feeling yeah feeling pleasant unpleasant pain um, neutral mm. Mind states, love, hate, anger, greed, lust, despair, yeah, got it? <laughs> they're, all, they're all part of the category, yeah, all part of the, all in the mix. Just stay with this, bear with this, without jumping, without reflex reactions, without getting embedded in it. Stay with it, but not in it. And already something is growing. The ability to be with rather than in. This is the freeing of the heart. Because when you're with it rather than in it, you you begin to sense there's this and there's this 
tangled experience that seems to be myself, but there's also this, which is, hmm, what's that? How come I can be present with this as it happens, feeling uncomfortable but somehow present with this? How is that possible? If we were completely embedded in karma, there'd be no possibility for that. You see, the seeds of liberation are inherent in human beings. But they don't necessarily recognize them. Uh, they're not so strong, loud, strident but it's this ability to be with uh, experience. The piece of experience that is able to be with the rest of it, to wrap around it. That's a certain widening of awareness. So the fundamental quality of heart that I'm sure we all have is we all surely seek our welfare, our well-being, however we interpret that, whether we seek our well-being through having clear ideas, whether we seek our well-being through finding a nice place to live, whether we seek our well-being through having a someone we enjoy to live with, whether we seek our well-being through feeling fit or healthy, whatever, we seek our well-being. Now that, <laughs> why? You know, there is that innate quality. And we say this, if you get it right down, the heart naturally seeks and enjoys uh, finding well-being. Metta or kindness, loving kindness, is just that capacity to to be more conscious of that kindness. And we begin to recognize, yeah, that's right. One does have a heart that seeks one's well-being. You know, just recognize, you know, if you come right down to it, that heart alone is adequate if you tune into it. You don't, you know, the other stuff is details. The other stuff like the you know, job or the ideas or the place to live, so that's details. But the underlying primary quality is the inclination towards uh, goodwill towards feeling befriended, towards feeling nourished, fulfilled. And, you know, 
and naturally we seek things that will do that to us and some of them do work for periods of time um, some of them unfortunately break down or not reliable and we get very sad because of that or we feel we fail because of that frustrated because of that but fact is that they're not utterly reliable some are better than others some are distinctly unreliable what is reliable is the quality of the inclination towards nourishment and just as for this that energy running through is is you need to tune into that and then see also <clears throat> how that energy is can be experienced sometimes easier when you present it to another when you look after another when you offer something to another the entrance to buddhism is dharma generosity sharing giving presenting opening to another that's the beginning point of buddhist cultivation of potentizing the heart without this potentizing of heart it gets pretty tough we try and do it from rationality and we think ourselves into particular corners or strategies but you don't get the potentizing of the heart my dana was always always very strongly cultivated um, in buddhist countries and you know obviously like anything else it can be tainted or corrupted or but you know there's, there's a you would see it happening you see people looking really happy with it <laughs> really enjoying it because you think yeah it is it's very lovely and what's happening the heart is being potentized in a world of doubt disappointment death decay you know you think well this is something that will just give me this yeah and so people love doing it and uh, it's not because it's stupid or superstitious because it works <laughs> uh, but one of the struggles that can be is that people don't feel embarrassed about being given things oh no really i couldn't oh sorry to have oh how much did that cost can i pay you back <laughs> what do they want out of me i've given you know i feel awkward i feel funny i feel pathetic you've given me something i must be desperately needy weak feeble weedy person who can't look after themselves <laughs> yeah so i certainly as a as a monk i found this experience going arms round every day incredibly moving and incredibly touching and also just really touch pointing to something in here I feel quite embarrassing really you know because every morning we get up say you know go out you go out just before dawn you walk down the street and these people who don't, you don't know them they don't know they've got a lot of money and they struggle out and they get their little bowls of rice and say wait 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 and they ask you please Nimon, wait stop there they want you to stop they come out two spoons of rice in your bowl that's it they don't say no conversation don't say thank you just open the bowl put the one you do this and um and it, you know at the end of it you're pretty heartbroken in a strange way not heartbroken sad but heartbroken like i can't believe this this is just overwhelming i can't handle this <laughs> i feel i feel 
stop. <laughs> the town I lived in was this old woman who used to, you know, had a little kind of stall in the market. We'd go through the market and uh, she would, I think she'd sleep on top of her stall or, you know, she, that was her place. And so she'd be getting up in the morning just about and you kind of think, when do I sneak past? Because <laughs> I don't want to bother her. And she kind of, wait, 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 come back. <laughs> she'd wait, wait, wait. And she'd get a little basin of rice, just a minute, just a minute. Okay, just wait, wait. Get something together, put it in the bowl, like one spoon of rice. And certainly, you know. Why am, I, why am I making a problem about this? She's obviously doing of her own free will. <laughs> and that's, that's her start of a day, who kind of lifted her up in the beginning of the day. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> Here I am, sort of, so strong, healthy young man, and this old lady looking after me. <laughs> and that's, that's the humbling. Uh, and the heart kind of breaks in a in a in a, not a sad way, but a, not not necessarily even a joyful way, but just in a selfless way. Oh God, there's all this goodwill. I can't handle it. I feel I should be paying it off. Be worth it. Be deserving something. Uh, yeah. and no, they don't want you to do that. So you go back to your hut. Sit there and meditate. Mm. And think, well, I've got to make sure I get so that, you know, live up to it. But they don't care whether you live up to it or not. They don't say, let's have a, let's have a, a scorecard of your meditation before I give you a spoonful of rice. How, how good did you do? Did you have any naughty thoughts? Oh, sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not giving you anything. It's just, no. You know, and... Uh, <laughs> I last, uh, and it's not just in in Thailand. I was in, you know, do Tudong. Tudong means going on long distance walks when you just live on alms food. You just, you know, you walk around, you go through a countryside, you stop off sometime in the morning, <coughs> you know, ten to seven, eight, nine, ten, and you get your bowl out and just walk through the village or stand around and hope somebody gives you some food, maybe. In Thailand, it works a treat. I think we you just jump out, pull your bowl out, and just walk a bit slowly, and people start bustling around. All right, oh no, okay, get something. But in England, you don't expect that. <laughs> and in Italy, it's it's slower because they don't know what this thing is. You know, it's, first they see this person, so yeah. Standing, you tend to stand. So people kind of embarrassed, walk past some weird guy, so they sort of scurry past. And every now and then, one comes up and says, What are you? What are you doing? I am a Buddhist monk. I am walking so and so and so. Oh, really? What are you doing here? Well, um, I'm seeing if anybody would like to give me a drink. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes they don't. They don't. They immediately get it. 
they see this person with a bowl, and they think it's a drum sometimes, you can play a tune on, or think they want to put money in the bowl. They say, no, don't accept money. And I uh, was standing on this last two dog I did in Britain, two months, walking, and uh, one little village I stopped. Every time you stop, you think, oh, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. You know, They don't know who I am. You're not Buddhist. I can't even ask for anything. I'm not allowed to ask for anything or make any show. I've just got to stand here quietly in a corner. This is never going to work. And then, oh, well, never mind. You know, Go hungry. And then somebody comes... Lady comes past. She says, "Oh, you've been standing here for a while. Just a minute." She goes off to the supermarket, comes back, says, here, puts this kind of cake in my bowl. And she, I said, "Just, just a minute." I said, "Just a minute. What? Why did you do that? Why, why did you do that? Oh, I just thought you might like a cake." Which is off. It's like that, that mm. strange, in, you know, in, you know, intuition that people have. And uh, one place I was standing outside a supermarket, and this woman came past, came past, looked at me, and said, "Oh, do you know my friend Deborah?" <laughs> she said, I don't think so. She said, Didn't you go to school with my friend Deborah? I said, um, maybe, but I don't remember it. Oh well, I better get you some sandwiches then. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> so she rushes into the supermarket, comes out. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have happened if I said I did know her friend. <laughs> See what you know on a kind of personal level, there's these different mind states, this instinctive heart level, as well, happening. Yeah a sense of, you know, an opportunity to give. And very often people say, thank you. Thank me. The opportunity to, on a street, which is generally, you're on your own, you're going in shops, you're going in your car, you're going to work, excuse me, get out of the way, I'm going this way, I'm doing my thing. You know, there's no sharing. So the opportunity just to pause and have that. You know, this is, this is actually... A gift, in a way. Sounds arrogant, but I'm sort of, I'm in a way representing an opportunity for something innocent and simple and beautiful to happen. Mm. Well, that's, that's, I, can, I can manage that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, certainly in, in Asian countries, it's often the case they just... Uh, yeah, I mean, you could if you ate all the food, you'd die. Just no possible, no way you could. You'd just die. <laughs> you know, I was in when I was in Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, and this. You know, I, generally what I have, I have a meal around about ten or eleven. If it's a late meal like that, then I have maybe something light at, at seven. Could be a piece of toast. Small something small just to tidy over and so these people come every day and they put a table out and there'd be like 12, 15 dishes fruit, soups this, this, that, this, that, this, that this, that. and they'd offer it all, offer it all for another, give a chance take like 
one percent <laughs> the rest they you know goes to everyone else it's shared out it's not thrown away it's shared out and every day they do this and I'd say you know I, I can't sorry I can't you know my, my you know I can't eat all this food my uh, my ability to consume things is limited he said oh we don't expect you to eat it all no no it's just your your appetite is limited but our generosity is unlimited <laughs> our giving may our giving be unlimited you seem kind of you know doesn't matter and it's not that the food is wasted but the sense of the, the ability to experience that grandeur of heart and you need someone to to have that to do you know, it's kind of my job <laughs> in a strange way but it's not me as a person it's it's the it's the monk it's the bhikkhu and so you know the quality of of goodwill requires that which we can be kind to now great you know here i'm telling anecdotes it's kind to me but just contemplate also to to yourself to others as to myself and you know it's not really about ob- giving objects just having that generous attitude that loving attitude that how can I help you attitude to this rather than how can you make something happen how you, can you perform how can you get the grades how can you live up to the image no how can I help you having this attitude towards one's body one's mind this is the Measure doesn't deserve doesn't have to deserve anything, doesn't have to pay you back, it just wants to and you feel that energy there and it feels good. And really this is without this our meditation will tend to come into trying to achieve certain results so that I will feel I'm doing okay in accordance with the, the standards or the system or the technique or the retreat or the teacher's expectations or what you think the teacher expects you're living up to it you're making you good as the next guy and this is this is not good this is not happy now that quality of 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 goodwill when that's potentized then naturally we meet that which is unhappy uh, broken hurt difficult, painful and at this point rather than oh snap out of it get over it, you'll get over it pull yourself together forget about it, don't be such a wimp (laughs) and so on Um, the attitude is one of compassion like oh this is sad this is sorrowful doesn't you know doesn't get direct doesn't go down into the sorrow it just is able to hold the unhappy the unsatisfactory the sorrowful with with a sense of like a protective quality let no harm come to this where it's weak let me let there be no more harm to it where it's hurt just hold steady around that protect very important cultivation compassion it doesn't actually 
change or fix anything as an, as an essence, as a heart quality. Now, certainly with these features, metta, karuna, once the heart is established, then of course we can organize what I'm going to do about it from that place. But you've got to get the heart there first, and then this means, I think, I think she needs to take a rest. I think she needs to, um, you know, whatever. But then you, you organize, the organizational faculty is fine, provided it's still connected and directed to the heart. We'd get the message. Mm-hmm. So with, um, you know, with, with suffering and sadness and so forth, the message that you don't want is get over it. Um, get organized, get it together, move on. No, you want the message of just wait, um, what helps now? And then listening, and then you can organize from there. So it's just being a bit more slow and thorough in how we, how we respond to, to the unsatisfactory and the painful. The heart widens. And when that with we is still it's not as if we're just gushing, but there's a, there's also there's awareness with that. How do you know something is painful, unsatisfactory, you're sensing it? And then your compassion may say, okay, from there, uh, really you need to stop doing this because you're damaging yourself. Really you need to stop seeing this person because it's damaging you. It may be firm. It may say, look, you know, this is doing you some harm. Stop doing it. It's not necessarily syrupy, but its attitude is compassionate. Just like a, a nurse or a doctor... They keep their tool, they keep their instruments clean and they, and they tell you what to do. So compassion is rather like this. It's not necessarily uh, soft in, its, in it, what it says. It's first potentizing is the interest in protecting, in alleviating suffering. Organization out of that could very well be you know, a firm attitude, firming up. Yeah. Often, because protection sometimes has to be very firm. Yeah. Stop doing this, you're damaging yourself. Mm-hmm. And get it, you know. A mudita is the ability to experience gladness, and this follows on, really, if we are able to experience some of the difficult aspects of our of what's happening to us and we recognize as we as we bear with that with the good heart we sense oh this one has the strength to come through this this one has the potential to come through this hmm. That's good. 
you know sometimes you don't realize your capacities until you're challenged you, know, you meet the challenge and there's a sense of what's necessary to to handle some of the difficulties of that and then you begin to sense you can come through this one can come through it you're not getting broken by it you're not getting pushed back by it you're finding your ground you're coming through it takes time, you're coming through it doesn't come through in a flash but you're coming through you realise the great wave of of grief has rushed over you and you're here pain has run through you and you're here and you begin to sense you have this heart has the capacity to do that so we feel gladdened by our strengths and by our ability to basic resilience and the good heart you begin to be gladdened by that and you see it manifesting the courage the uh, try again the bear with it the we can do this together the start again you know all these are things to acknowledge mm. to put aside what's called arati which means negativity negativity cynicism indifference mm. Oh, you're, you're stuck in this all the time. Here we go again. No, you're not. You can be, but you don't have to be. We see this contemplates in ourselves and contemplates in others. The image that's used with mudita is a sense of the parent or the mother seeing their their baby, their child, actually beginning to get his his or her strength. They're beginning to find their feet. They're not out there and finished, but they're beginning to find their street. You think, oh, beautiful. He's coming through. That's good. Isn't that lovely? And uh, this is something we haven't come, we haven't finished, but we see we have. There's the potency to at least not just get crushed by by difficulties. And. And by and large, people have this capacity. It's really amazing the capacities people have. You know, I was talking to some Vietnamese boat refugees when I was in Australia and uh, the difficulties they'd experienced. You know, like actually, people packed on top of each other. It's just so, there's no room. Uh, you know, just just put as many human bodies into a boat as possible and just push it off into the sea and you know, with pirates and whatever you know. uh, and people just bearing with it and uh, say one woman pregnant couldn't you know couldn't find anywhere even to sit down for three days just on, on her feet for three days and three nights with nowhere to sit and, and coming through these are not experiences you wish upon anybody
but we do see the amazing resilience and you're surprised we're much bigger than ourselves so mudita gladness gladness of the success the maturing the potency that's in all of us that making that little bit of effort more that little bit of moving out more that small gesture of courage that small gesture of I'll try Anamodana so the word they use is Anamodana means we celebrate we acknowledge, we see it Opeka equanimity is that quality of heart that is able to acknowledge oh, all this all this that seemed to be, you know, express itself as me, myself, my predicament in the world, all this is just karma, karmic patterns occurring. Mm-hmm. There's the good and the, and the skillful and the unskillful, the results. Uh-huh. And it begins to recognize um, patterns are playing out. There's a trust that. Uh, as long as we keep in touch, as long as that sense of in-touchness is maintained, we come through. And it doesn't mean that it's all level, goes up and down, but what goes up and down are lessons that have to be learned. There's no such thing as a straight, free, troublesome, trouble-free, straight, smooth road. <laughs> you know, it's all twists and bends and lumps and things. but. Okay. Trust it. There's the potential. And we trust the turns and twists of karma. There's something to learn here. Yeah, we made made a mistake, fair enough. Something to be learned here. So it becomes more equanimous. Means in touch, open holding the space, interested and recognising you know, things are playing playing themselves out these are very important not important but just um, necessary uh, openings of the heart great heart with these we become uh, we have that sort of support uh, our own support that's um, necessary for this uh, deepening, mm. for the unwinding of karma, to give us the resources and the capacities to do so. They begin to change the pattern of selfhood into something more expansive and uh, rewarding. Mm. 